0: You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to Locked On Suns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Kellen Olson, your host of Locked On Suns. Happy Tuesday out there to everyone. Uh, We are going to be running through some of the most talked about subjects and storylines really for Phoenix Suns basketball in the past week. It is Tuesday. The team does not play till Wednesday, but... Luckily for us, it's been a pretty eventful past week or so. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. moving into the starting lineup. Devin Booker's had a really good uh, couple of game stretch here. We have Jared Dudley's ejection uh, to talk about as well, that there was that buzz surrounding the team. They need an enforcer. Who could it be? Turned out to be Jared Dudley for one instance. We don't know who it's going to be for the rest of the season or even if there really needs to be one. Uh, We'll be talking about that more with my co-host, Eddie House. You're back, Eddie. How are
1: you? I'm back in the building, man. I'm doing good. It's all week out there in Vegas, man. I only could take like a couple of days in Vegas, but I was out there from Wednesday to Sunday. But I, the, the good thing about it, I, I got a chance to watch some really good basketball and some talented players out there. So, you know, that was a good thing. And get paid for it, so you can't be mad at that.
0: Hey, get that working, Eddie. Get that working whenever you can, always. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, everyone. That is at Suns. best way to keep up with the podcast. iTunes link is in the bio. I won't bother you much more about it on today's episode so starting with today's episode Eddie um, this is a subject that we didn't really touch on too much when it happened uh, specifically in the Wizards game because we wanted I wanted to get your take on it primarily uh, the Wizards game of course Suns lost 131-127 but the biggest takeaway Jared Dudley played six minutes he was ejected stepping up for Tyler Uless. Um you've seen the play a couple of times now my interpretation of it was Eulis got a hard screen set on him, and I think Dudley was going to come over and say something anyway. But looked like Jason Smith had some words for Tyler Euless after he set the hard screen. And my view on it was that the message was already sent by Smith when he set the screen. The fact that he had to say something to Eulis afterwards, I think that's what ticked Dudley off. We didn't really get much from him on what his thoughts were on it. But what was your takeaway from seeing the video?
1: Well, I, I do. I remember watching it when it happened because I was watching that game, and um what happened was you know blind side pick uh basically euless got up and said he said something to smith right he uh he did the, the b-a-n you bitch ass n-word right that's what he called him Uh he said it twice i read his lips and then that's when uh jason smith said something back but tyler euless can't get mad this is the thing you can't get mad at the guy setting the screen you got to get mad at your player for not calling the screen that's what you're supposed to be mad at but at the time uh you know, Jay Smith said something back. It's like, okay, big guy, little guy, you got him with a this screen. He could be upset. But at the same time, you, you don't have to go back at him. so almost kind of like rubbing his face in, like, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. So, you know, Dudley came up and did what he had to do um, as far as, you know, getting it in, in dude's face, almost like pick on somebody your own size type thing. And, uh, you know, made some contact and got ejected. But <clears throat> this is the thing, um, as far as, like, the enforcer thing. You know, enforcers were – this is how it goes. Charles Oakley, we know he was enforcer. Anthony Mason, guys like this. You don't have to talk about them. You don't want to bring this to light. You just want the players to know that they're enforcers. And we never speak on that. You know, you're not supposed to speak on that. You don't want to bring extra attention to certain things that, you know, that that are involved in the game. Like saying we need enforcer, we need enforcer. no. we'll find one and that will be his job, but we don't have to let everybody know that. It's kind of letting the cat out the bag and and putting all eyes on you and any little thing is going to get guys ejected, going to get guys technical fouls and things like that when other teams probably wouldn't get it because they're they're not, uh, quote unquote, uh, looking for enforcer or trying to have an enforcer step up. So as far as I think how the Suds are handling it, as far as putting it out in the public, I think that's that's the wrong way to go about it. But it's really good to see guys sticking up for their teammates.
0: Especially when the team is like this and we've seen them getting so many scuffles already this season, particularly with the way that Marquise Chris plays, I think. And I'm not saying it's a negative at all. It's more of a positive. In fact, the way that he just does not care who he is um getting in contact with who he's rubbing off the wrong way. He doesn't care. He plays with that edge. Derek Jones Jr. got into it with Russell Westbrook a couple of weeks ago. We know he doesn't care. Devin Booker plays with that same t- type of swagger, and you don't want to give yourself any more attention than you need to for other teams to start paying attention like that, and I think that's kind of the point you're trying to make, right, Eddie, is that you don't want other teams knowing that it's becoming something that you see as an issue in your locker room,
1: perhaps. Yeah. That you that could be detrimental to you winning a basketball game. You know, referee calling extra fouls when, uh, it, it when it's just a regular foul, he could call a intentional foul or flagrant one, uh, and things like that, d- depending on how the play ended up happening. But you just bring extra attention, putting a spotlight on you as far as being a hard foul, team, a team that's going to basically have goons out there trying to, uh, enforce some things. So that, that, that's the part, like to me, as is. I think you should just uh, allow that to happen within the game and not speak. Some things are need to be uh, uh, done and not spoken about, and I think that's one of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on, uh, the player that we've seen step up in the past four games—I shouldn't say step up, but really get back into that form—that we've seen him touch on from time to time this season has been Devin Booker. He scored 25 points against the Wizards, had 23 against the Lakers. 36 against the Mavericks, that included his big game winner, and then 28 against the Trailblazers and most importantly, Eddie, he's doing this efficiently. He was 8 of 18 in the Wizards game, 10 of 21 in the Lakers game, 12 of 20 in the Mavericks game, and 13 of 26 in the Portland game. Uh, This is really the development you want to see from young players uh, at the end of the season, and this has been the time last year when Booker was playing his best basketball, and it appears that he is going to be playing some of his best basketball here towards the end of the season this year as well.
1: Yeah. You know what? He's comfortable. He's figured it out. You know, it was uh, again, we spoke about this at the beginning of the season while he, while he was struggling, it was uh, almost, you know, he was, he was getting pulled in every direction. Um, He was trying to figure out how to, how to beat these defenses that are devised to stop him. And then at the same time, how do I stop my man from coming back at me? So he was, trying oh, on this side to get it right forcing things and then it wasn't helping on the defensive end that he's getting back cut that he's not in the right spot and he's getting beat looks like he's not playing defense Earl at one point had to tell a, a reporter you know we're not going to talk about Devin Booker's defense anymore uh that's how bad it had got so had gotten so he's figuring it out you know he understands now this is what it's going to take this is my preparation for me to to beat these double teams to I, I, he, he figured that part out offensively and it makes you a little bit more comfortable defensively because now you're not thinking and basketball if you're thinking you tend to make a lot more mistakes like of course you think the game but you can't be out there thinking like oh I'm gonna make this move I'm gonna make this because usually it's a reaction game and um you know now he's just reacting on both ends of the court he's letting his instincts take over and then and, and you see the player that everybody uh had uh coming to fruition. You know, I mean, the the player that everybody thought that he was going to be is coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, he seems to be the one player that has really been in the starting lineup, uh, besides Marquise Chris, has really been rejuvenated by this new move of the rotation. I think we're just seeing him move around with comfort a little bit more. Six assists in that Wizards game. Um we're starting to see him pick up more of that four to six assists a game. I think that's the number that he is certainly capable of as a secondary ball handler, I think One of the things that we do with him is we kind of overrate him in some of his uh, aspects of his game, just because he was so good out of the gate that we didn't expect. Uh, Everyone sees this kid handle the ball and attack the basket much better than we thought he was going to, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's ready to average like five or six assists a game from the shooting guard position. No one really does that in the league. Not many guys do. I think he can get there eventually with his game. I don't see him being a selfish player by any means, putting up like two to three assists, but uh, we're starting to see flashes of him put that up a little bit more, and that's one of the developments of his game I'm really looking forward to uh, towards the end of the season. Speaking of developments, one of the developments this weekend was Derek Jones Jr. moving into the starting lineup. No Alex Len this weekend, so Marquise Chris moved up to center. TJ Warren moved up to power forward, leaving the small forward spot open for Derek Jones Jr., and I continue to be impressed by the kid, Eddie. Uh, what are your thoughts on his play so far?
1: Well, you know, he's he's learning the game, the NBA game. Um, he's so used to being at, just athletic and jumping over the, out of the gym. He's he's being asked to guard. <clears throat> he's being challenged to to play defense now. Um, I, I'm not sure if he was challenged like that before. You know, maybe blocking shots and stuff like that, using his athleticism. But again, like Earl challenged him to pick up Russell Westbrook 94 feet. It's, it's these type of things. He, this is what he's learning right now. His great game experience. There's no experience like. Game experience. You know, you could walk through, you could watch film, you could do all the practices, but once you get in the game, it's different. It's a different speed. Um, uh, it's referees out there calling things different, to where you're going to have to make your adjustments. So it's good to see him get out there and get this, this these opportunities and the experience because it's only going to help him in the long run. And, and the more games that he could get under his belt, the more minutes he could get under the belt, the more comfortable he'll get. And next year, he's you know he stay he'll win the dunk contest. And I think because. I think that the, the, it, it was a little bit, uh, yeah, he might not want to admit it, but it was a little, probably a little overwhelming for him. First time, big oh, bright yeah. lights, you know what I mean? And he does he probably won't admit it, but for sure, you know, uh, it was big time lights. It was a big time, uh, event where everybody was there. It, the who's a who of everybody. And everybody in the league was there. Everybody that's, uh, somebody as far as in Hollywood, a star in other sports, they were there as well. The lights were extremely bright. And, uh, Next year, I got him to definitely win it Um, just because I think he'll be comfortable. And it's the same thing with how he's playing now. He's in the starting lineup. He's starting to get that rhythm and and just feel and and then soak in being an NBA player.
0: How do you see him picking up defensively so far? Because I think that's where I see the most promise for him in this league. I think it's going to be defense first and everything else is going to come second for him. I think. Uh, you described it perfectly there because there are clearly a lot of basic fundamental things that he still has to figure out both on and off the ball. Some guys come in right away as a defensive guy and they're on the ball. They're really good right away, but it's a lot of the off the ball things, the rotations being a step in the right spot and things like that. But for me, I'm seeing even some things on the ball where he can have a, have it corrected. But uh, from your time spent in the league and uh, really working hard defensively, what are you seeing from him as a defensive prospect?
1: Well, he got he, long arms. He's super rangy. Uh, he has good feet. He's athletic. He's quick. He, his hips are, are good enough to where he can, you know, get them o- open and close them when he needs to. Um, it's it's just a matter of, you know, he needs to do it more and more, and does he want it? Because this is the thing: is a lot of people, some people are just they could play defense. They could play on ball defense. Some people have to work, and they'll never get there. Yeah, and we need to just see more and more. Uh, you know he's gonna have to be put in situations where he's guarding guys that, you know, like a guy like Devin Booker, stuff like that. In practice, would be great for him. You know what what PJ Tucker did? It helped PJ Tucker's game defensively because that's what he does. But it also helped Devin on the other hand. And then PJ has a different body type than uh, Derrick Jones Jr., so it will help. Devin even more, get a longer defender on him, and then, you know, get him chasing guys off screen, being in the right place. Because on-ball defense, yeah, everybody's trying to stay in front. But, it, uh, again, what you said was, you know, the rotations, being there in a the box out. If they're trapping, you guys get in that triangle. And if it goes over the top, you x and out. Knowing all these things, knowing the terminology, everything like that, that's what I think uh, where his growth is going to move forward. Because on ball defense, man, you're just go- guarding on ball. That's that's you, your want to. But it's all the other things within the team defense, the, the terminology, being in the right place at the right time. Are you supposed to trap the box? If you trap the box, where do you go after that ball is skipped out? Are you running to the corner? Are they stunting uh, the guy up up top and then running to the guy in the corner? Are you – you know, where are you going? And, and that's the thing that he's going to have to learn, I think, once he – you know, and just being in the situation, you know, he's going to be be putting a lot of these situations in the rest of the season, and this is that's what I'm going to be looking at, like how does he react to, to the team defense aspect of of him getting better defensively?
0: We already have an example of this from this year, in fact, Marquise Chris. I mean, the growth of his team defense from November to now is astounding. I think, in particular, we've seen him in the past month get really comfortable as a weak side shot blocker, and I don't even think that was something that was necessarily a part of his game in 2016 because he was getting all these things down that you're talking about but he's clearly getting more comfortable with those I think he still has a long way to go but with that in mind he's starting to become more comfortable to where he can't contribute defensively in a big way uh, with those weak side shot blocks and other things like that and it's really exciting to see his progress and that's the thing Jones is going to have situations where he's starting now he's playing 15 to 20 minutes a game and those minutes can be really valuable to pick up on everything you learn. So instead of him continuing to pick up those things in training camp and at the end of the bench in practice, he's going to come into training camp next year, ready to compete for a rotation spot right away with the minutes that he's getting right now. And I'm really excited personally to see his growth through the rest of the season and see what he can be for this team next season. I think that's what Suns fans really have to look forward to. Speaking of looking forward to Eddie, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am looking forward to the game against the Sacramento Kings tomorrow. Uh, Yes, they lost to Marcus Cousins, but this is a new-look team. Buddy Heald is in there. We talked about how much Buddy was struggling. He's averaging 14 a game right now, shooting 52% from the field and 49% from three on five attempts a game. He's had a really nice start to his career in Sacramento. We've seen far more Willie Cauley-Stein and Scott Labissier playing for Sacramento as well. So that's going to be a fun little game of uh, young players tomorrow. So we're going to bring you guys a preview because we – We've talked extensively about DeMarcus Cousins, but he's obviously in New Orleans right now, so we got a new Sacramento team to talk about tomorrow. We'll have that for you again on Lockdown Suns on Wednesday. See you guys then.